Hello and welcome to episode two of I When The Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, alongside my co-host, Jack Serlis. How are you doing, Jack? Hi, Patrick. Yeah, not bad, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. What about that jingle, eh? Yeah, absolute banger. Uh, John Packham's a good mate of mine from college, has really sorted the boys out, so uh, check out his music. He's uh, on Twitter, Salinger, so recommend to check out some of his tunes. Yeah, very good. Really enjoyed that. Nice little, uh, nice little vibe for us as an intro. Uh, thank you very much to John for putting that together. Well, we've got a good one for you today. A lovely 20-minute chat with former Saints defender Jos Hoyveld. What an absolute legend. Uh, genuinely one of the funniest people we've spoken to. Uh, Jos joined the Saints in 2011 and had five seasons at the club, most memorably partnering Jose Font at centre-back as we earned promotion from the championship. He was rock solid for us back then. And chipped in with plenty of goals, as I'm sure many of you will remember. Most of them, for some reason, were on a Tuesday night. He gives us his memories of some of his Saints teammates. He goes 1 through 11 through the squad, talking about the likes of Kelvin, Fraser, Fonte. Uh, but my favourite bit have to be when he calls Mort Schneidel in different gravy. For some reason, that just sounds better in a Dutch accent. So listen out for that. Also, he's got a bunch of other anecdotes and stories from that time at the club. So let's get straight to it. Here's Jos. Yeah, our guest for today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. He's an absolute cult hero at St. Mary's, a key part of our championship promotion side, a towering centre-back who loved the goal on a Tuesday night. We're delighted to welcome Jos Hoyveld to the podcast. Welcome, Jos. Ah, perfect. No problem. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, very good, actually. Very good. Good, good. I mean, I, I was, we were having a chat earlier. Just uh, how is coronavirus impacting you? I saw your uh, stay-at-home challenge on Instagram the other day. Uh, are you keeping yourself busy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, you know, um, I, I just uh, uh, do what's, uh, yeah, what, what uh, the government tells us uh, to do. So stay at home if you can work from home, and luckily I can. So um, I, I stay a bit more indoors than I uh, would normally do. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when I go outside, I'm working in the garden and uh, and doing things around the uh, around the house. I'm right, in a right. Position to do that as well, so that's that's nice. So I'm uh, I, I stick uh, I stick to the plans what they have here. No, that's smart. That's smart. I'm trying to do the same. I saw I saw it was a bit tongue in cheek, but you said Cristiano Ronaldo um, nominated you for the stay at home challenge. You didn't nominate anybody else. <laughs> I, I did actually. I nominated Steve. Oh, did you? Yeah, Richard Chaplow. And um, <laughs> who was the last one, actually? Um, oh, I don't even remember, I think. Have they done it? Uh, I think Steve Derrida did it, yeah. <laughs> and he, he nominated me now for like uploading a goal. So I need to upload the goal from uh, against Coventry, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's a good one. I was watching that back earlier for some preparation for this interview. I was kind of going through all your goals. You scored quite a lot that season. Yeah, scored a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Yeah, it was a nice. Uh, it was a nice season for me. Eight goals that season. So just to kind of go back to the how it came about, really, I'm just interested. Like you've been playing in Netherlands, Austria, Finland, Sweden, and Denmark, and then you're at Celtic, and then you joined Saints on loan on transfer deadline day in in 2011. How did that move come about? Uh, well, there was interest in uh, f- from Southampton in uh, before uh, in me before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they um, um, that was uh, when I made the move to Celtic. There was also uh, talks with Southampton of going there, um, 
but that it never really uh, came through. But then when I came in Celtic and I was on a dead track, we picked it up. And um, before I knew it, uh, it was deadline day and I, uh, I had to rush over. <laughs> what, did you, what did you first make of, uh, of Southampton then? I can remember your interview talking about your expected, well, palm trees in a tropical paradise. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> I really expected that. No, no, no. I, uh, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I expected a very organized club, you know, like yeah. uh, a club with an idea. And uh, when I met uh, Nicola from the first day, it was really clear to me that it was a club with an idea. And uh, yeah, I really uh, liked it. And uh, the facilities were uh, amazing, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Nicola did a lot of uh, good things for us, you know. So um, we were, all, you know, uh, especially I was really happy that the, the story that he uh, that he told mm-hmm. uh, came true as well, you know, and even within a year. So that was. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, remarkable, but also, uh, yeah, really nice, of course. Yeah, when we spoke to Steve last week, he was, he was um, kind of really getting across like how how close and how tight knit that squad was. Um, yeah. So for, for, I know Steve came in that summer as well, and you you signing. Did you feel like it was pretty easy to settle quickly within that dressing room? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. Was yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was really nice, you know, um, an unbelievable uh, group of guys. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we we go for coffees and that kind of stuff with sometimes up to twelve in Westkey. Mm-hmm. Or tw- uh, so we were sitting there with everybody, and <laughs> we did it an awful lot of times as well. So we had a great yeah, we had great fun always. It was nice. And you touched on it um, a few minutes ago, but all the goals you scored that season, eight in total, seven in the championship. Um, you scored a huge goal at home to West Ham in October. I think that put us five points clear at the time. That goal scoring, was it right place, right time? Or was it something that you, uh, Nigel Adkins, and the, the coaches worked on in the training ground? Yeah, we definitely worked on it, especially yeah. the corners. And uh, for me, it was so good because I'm, uh, um, I'd say, quite good with the run. And yeah. if the ball is at that moment on the, the same time, yeah, then it's almost no stopping me. But then we had a yeah, great uh, crosses and corners from Foxy, Danny Fox, who yeah. whipped them in, you know, and uh, most of the time just behind uh, uh, their first defender. And that's also where I score a lot of goals. Yeah. Danny Fox or James Will Prowse, who's got a better delivery then? Equally. Equally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, yeah, Prowse, he has an unbelievable delivery as well but Foxy had I, I'd say um, uh, I th- I'd say I go for Prousey for the free kicks yeah and I think uh, Foxy for the corners I think that's I think that's smart yeah I think that works yeah I'd agree with you on that um, Walt Prowse must have been what was he 16-17 at the time when you were when, when it was that championship season is that yeah. is, is the kind of set piece is something that he's always been good at or um, he wasn't. There, he wasn't with us that season. Okay. The championship season. He came the season after. Right. When you, okay. So, but uh, the, the season after, he came with us in the first game in the Premier League. He was actually starting as well. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I remember him playing at Man City on the. Um, I think yeah. on the opening day. Yeah. Yeah. So on the goals, do you have a favourite then from that season? That's from the eight goals that you scored. Um. 
I'd say um, the Hull one was nice. It was also quite important. But of course, the West Ham one was uh, was 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 the best. I'd say West and Ham course, home or away. Uh, uh, the home one was better. Yeah, but the away one was really important as well. That was a huge, huge game. Yep. I remember that it was in February, wasn't it? And we. They went down. They went one nil up. Went down to ten men, and we kind of not, were knocking on the door second half. Um, and then you poked poked in from close range. Yeah, indeed, exactly. <laughs> it was Ricky Lambert who knocked it down, and then I uh, I, uh, I kind of uh, poked it in. It was another Tuesday night as well. It was actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I think I've got a feeling of what what you'd choose, but have you kind of had to look back on your career at, at Saints? What was what would be kind of favourite standout moment for you? Yeah, that was of course uh, 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 the promotion. Yeah, you know what you're uh, the whole year we're fighting for with with a, a great group of boys, and then uh, and then when you uh, uh, accomplish it, yeah, it's, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I kind of—I'm not sure if this is going to work or not, but I wanted to try it anyway. I, I kind of went through back through the that Saints team from the 11-12 season. Um, and if we go through the team, could you kind of—I don't know whether it's going to be possible or not—but kind of one thing or one memory about playing with each of the players. So if we started with Kelvin Davis, kind of what is your one overriding memory of playing playing with Kelvin? Yeah, Leeds. Leeds. <laughs> Leeds United away. Yeah, that performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unbelievable! Yeah, unbelievable performance. But also, um, yeah, the, the the character he is. You know, uh, we had so much fun with him as well. Every Friday we had a fine, a fine meeting, and he made a great show of it. And everybody <laughs> had a fine. You know, we were just, you know, we we were just laughing as well. <laughs> but, Who got uh, fined the most? Um, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve the Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the sloppiest with everything. Was that was that being late or was that phones in the dressing room? What's what's he doing wrong? It, it was everything. Everything. You know, uh, his flip flops uh, everywhere <laughs> and walking without flip flops and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah um, I don't know. You know things with tape and everything. Uh, he, he always messed up. <laughs> always. I wish messed I, up. I, I wish know, I spoke. I wish I spoke to you first because then I could have asked him about that <laughs> yeah. last week. Yeah, indeed. You will still be grumpy about it, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about um, Jose Font, your part, your centre back partner for that season? What kind of one memory of, of playing alongside him? Oh yeah, it was uh, uh, that season wasn't even his best season, but mm-hmm. how he um, how he uh, how do you say uh, impressed me, and, and actually still still does is the years after as well. Yeah, you know, uh, he was hard to get by. And uh, he he uh, he's a player who can actually he showed it he can play on every level. He will never be the will will never be the best, but he will always be great. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. And and on every level because he came from League One, and he then Championship, then Premier League, then even the Europe. You know, uh, uh, Portugal squad who won the, the uh, European title. Yeah, you know. It shows you all. You know, he, he's uh, he, he's someone that that can play on every level, and he actually still does. Champions League, he plays now. Yeah, so it was uh, yeah, really nice. Really impressed by that. 
And you, you kind of, you've already mentioned Danny Fox, but you're kind of the fullbacks for Fraser Richardson and Danny Fox. Kind of anything stand out apart from the, the set pieces? Yeah, they were both, uh, you know, uh, re- really comfortable on the ball as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, always looking uh, uh, for a way to play. Especially Fraser physically, very strong, you know, could go forward and uh, backwards uh, all the time. But also Danny Butterfield was also great to have. Mm-hmm. Because he put, he could pick a pass and and uh, it was yeah them as fullbacks was yeah just great. In the middle, it was Jack Cork and Morgan Schneiderlin. I mean, Morgan's obviously gone on to uh, went on to Manchester United and to Everton, um, and yeah. Jack's had a great career as well. Yeah, incredible. You know, Morgan was uh, was was a uh, different gravy as we yeah. said. Yeah, he was. Um, but in the beginning, it was Dean Emmond who played. Right, I'd remember. and then uh, when Morgan came in, yeah, I was almost not not getting, you know, uh, not getting past him anymore. You know what I mean? You couldn't get, uh, you, you couldn't pick anyone else because he uh, he he made tackles, he made interceptions, he won duels. You know, uh, he uh, and he was he was great having the ball as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's why he also deserved uh, the move to Man United. What was it uh, you and you and um, Font at, at centre back? What was it like having those two and Dean Hammond as well in the mix as well? What was it like having that midfield in front of you? I mean, that's got to be one of the best midfields um, yeah. we've ever seen in the championship, really. Um, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, and imagine that you also had uh, sometimes you had a Lalana on the midfield as well, or or a Guli do Prado who came in as a ten. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. What was it? What was it like playing alongside Gooley then? Because he he is, I mean, that those that League One promotion campaign, that Championship promotion campaign, was was as a fan one of the the two of the best years um, in in recent memory. Um, they really were outstanding, and Gooley was one of those players that it, it just he kind of seemed to come out of nowhere and join the club. What was he like to to play alongside? Yeah, good as well. Good, you know, yeah, because he he was one of those ones that you. You didn't know what's, what what was going to happen. <laughs> you know, it, it could be the whole game could be something uh, that you think, oh, come on, man, come on, man. And then suddenly, and he did something and, and something great came out and he made some really uh, like good goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. Some Brazilian flair when, when we needed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then up front, Ricky Lambert. And then we signed in January, Billy Sharp, but also David Connolly was in the squad as well, um, scoring lots of goals for us. What was it like playing alongside those guys? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, Ricky <laughs> was unbelievable. You know, uh, the way he uh, held the ball up and uh, yeah, the way the, the finishing and the cleverness he played with was unbelievable. And um, uh, Connolly was nice as well. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he, came on, he often came on. And uh, he, could, he could make an, uh, a difference as a, and an impact as well because he was always motivated and he was always very demanding. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that, that, that sometimes when the game goes a little bit, um, I'd say that, it was great to have him in because a bit of uh, yeah, feistiness came. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just kind of running through that, that team, it, it just, it's not surprising we got promoted. It's It's full of, players that went on to play um, play well in the Premier League and then as you said some of them going on even further to Champions League and, and in Font's case the Euros um, you mentioned Kelvin Davis earlier there about kind of being a bit of a joker in the in the dressing room um, 
any other kind of characters that, that that kind of stand out to you from from that team? Yeah, Butterfield. Butterfield, yeah. Butterfield, yeah, it was great to have there, especially with the banter. Yeah. You know, he always came up with something funny and make funny voices or, or, or funny uh, <laughs> funny sayings and, and songs and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, if you look back on it, you had a lot of different characters who all had funny things. Yeah. You know, and different things. And Corky as well. Corky came, yeah, could came up, could come out with a lot of, um, yeah, dry humor. <laughs> it was really nice. As and uh, unexpected things. Steve mentioned um, last week the, the post-promotion party to Marbella in Spain. Yeah. Um, was that a good was that a good week away after after sealing yeah. Premier League return? Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I think I never laughed so much in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was, there was a really to top it off. Yeah, perfect way to, to, to end yeah. it, yeah. You announced your retirement in at the back end of twenty eighteen. Um, and that Instagram post you had there was in a Saint shirt. I mean, I know you said that you love all your former clubs, but Southampton must rank pretty highly. Is that fair to say? Yeah, very, very fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got the, the look. I I, uh, I played in a lot of, um, I'd say, uh, football culture clubs. Yeah. You no, know, every club that I've I've been to has has a has a has a history. You know, mm-hmm. and a nice history. And um, yeah, when you notice that, that means also the club has an identity, and uh, and people with that, you know, who wear that identity. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, Saints is is a is a great example for that. But also the other ones that I had, are, for example, a Millwall where I was only half a year, but also Copenhagen, yeah. um, uh, Celtic, AAK, uh, Twente. You know, all like clubs with a big history. And um, yeah, it's nice to be part of it, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I did want to touch on how how you think Southampton. Are doing this season, but obviously with the uncertainty around when um, things will get back up and running again, I think just if you if you could just like looking back on the season so far and yeah, well, I 30, struggled in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, struggled in the I beginning. I was really afraid uh, of, of what's going to happen, especially when they had the, the big uh, the big uh, slid up against uh, Leicester. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that that made me really sad, you know. When I say uh, when I saw it, I was in a in a in a pub, and uh, had a few beers with a friend of mine. And when I saw it, it yeah, it, it kind of touched me. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, um, yeah, I don't know, you know, I, I uh, put out a warming post on on my Instagram that I'm not normally uh, often uh, am involved uh, with uh, with mm-hmm. uh, social medias. But then I thought like ah. You know, it felt uh, felt a good thing to do, and luckily, um, luckily they they turned it around as well. You know, they had an unbelievable run, an unbelievable spell at one point. You know, they yeah. won everything, and that was good to see. Also, good to see uh, uh, little Jackie Stevens is doing really good. Yeah, you know, he really picked up form. That's great to see. Um, and um, how do you say, Maya Yoshida? Uh, uh, he played Maya Yoshida out of the team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was good to see that uh, that uh, the boys, uh, you know, the no, uh, the names that I know, were back in when it started doing so good. So that was uh, was nice. Yeah, because I mean, Jack must have been um, kind of breaking into the first team then um, when you. Yeah, were... he went on loan to a few times. Yeah, when, when 
uh, when I was there, he went on loan to uh, what's it called? Uh, Swindon. Swindon, yes. Swindon, Swindon yes. Yeah. And he went there together with um, um, what's his name? Jordan. He went there together with Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when he came back, he, uh, you know, he picked up. And when he got his chance, a few time, a uh, few times, you know, when you're young and, and suddenly you have to play that level, things would go with ups and downs. And then, uh, you know, he got his feet on the ground. And when he started running, it, yeah, it, you know, he really helped everything. You know, it helped himself, of course, but also it helped the team. And uh, you could see that it was a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot more stable. So it was nice to see. Jos, thanks very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, one of my favourite players back from the from that championship team and, and those early years in the Premier League. So it's been a it's been a real pleasure um, taking taking the time to speak to you. Thanks very much. No worries, my friend. It was uh, really nice to talk to people from uh, who have just uh, uh, how do you say uh, similar feelings for Southampton as I did. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's also nice to hear uh, how uh, how uh, people. Um, yeah, live the moments, and we're from the from the pitch, of course, and and uh, and the fans are, are from the other way looking it. But uh, yeah. you can really feel like um, it was almost like uh, uh, we were all united in having the same feelings. It was. You describe, yeah, exactly how 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 you uh, uh, how do you say uh, uh, felt the things, and uh, how I felt it on the pitch is uh, yeah really uh, close close together and, uh, and, and uh, similar. Lovely little chat there with Jos. Pleasure speaking to him. Um, Jack, what are your thoughts then or takeaways from that, from that interview? Just what a top bloke he is really, Pat. Um, you could tell during, during his time at the club what a big character he was in the change room and he seemed like a really likeable guy, but um, I think that really came through in that interview. And uh, I mean, I forgot that he scored eight goals for us in that in that season seven in the championship which is a ridiculous return for a centre half isn't it's it it's crazy yeah I mean when we were speaking about that I, I kind of I had the results up there and we're going through some of them and I know you've got them in front of you now so did you just want to kind of go through the seven championship goals that he that he scored yeah I mean they were big big goals as well they weren't they weren't in in small games so the first one was uh West Ham at home big I think it was first first few second at the time and they came down to St Mary's I think it was a midweek game. It was a Tuesday night, I think. I'd love scoring a Tuesday, Tuesday night, I think. And it was a Danny Fox corner, whipped in. And I think he, I don't know who he climbed above of, but it's just a big head in off to the other mm-hmm. side of the bar. Massive, massive goal. And then it was um, Peterborough at home, a ghouly cutback, important yep. goal. And then he scored West Ham away on a Tuesday night again, which came from a Danny Fox free kick. Lambo knocked down and he just poked it under the keeper. Um, and then there was another Fox corner. We had it, he scored against Derby. Uh, at that was four 0 as well, wasn't it? That was four 0 Yeah, I think yeah. that was the game that Tadnari Lee scored that that banger in as well. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, an absolute screamer. <laughs> it was. Yeah, long live um, Tadnari Lee. Viva Tadnari! And then um, and then Hull away again was a big, big result. Shock on a, on a Tuesday night again, and that was um, Fonte on the right hand side of the box squared it to his. To his partner to tuck away in front of the away end. Did he square it or was it shot? Fort Mortella. I'm going to oh, say he squared he it. He squared it. Okay, right. <laughs> we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, where are we? And then Peterborough away, which was 
again, I think that was in the second half of the season. They were they were going quite well, and um, it was three one that game. I know Billy Sharp's got a good goal there, but um, another Fox corner, and then Coventry at home in the final game of the season. The coronation the was four. The coronation, and I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but it was Danny Fox's whipped in ball for that goal. So I think he did touch on Danny Fox's delivery, but it just shows. I'm looking at those seven goals, mm. four of them came directly from from Sir Daniel. Yeah, I mean, we, I put it out on Twitter, uh, that quote he's talking about Danny Fox compared to, to Ward Prowse delivery. And I know Ward Prowse's delivery is ridiculous. And it's, mm. I mean, you speak to, to fans of other clubs and the first thing they mention when you mention Ward Prowse is, is the set pieces and they are so good for us and he's, we've scored so many goals from them. But I think it is easy to forget just how good Daniel Fox was, or Danny Fox was at that that corner. I mean, he'd just try and beat the first man and then it'd be Hoyveld or Font kind of crashing onto it. And we scored so many goals mm. from that. Um, so, mm. yeah, I think it's easy to say, like, oh, definitely Ward Prowse is clearly the better set-piece taker. But if you go back and watch some of those goals, those deliveries from Fox yeah. were amazing. Yeah, he put them on the money every time. I think if, if there was a free kick on the edge of the box, I'd have Ward Prowse in it every day of the week. But corners and maybe from wide, mm. That's when the, the the debate's a bit more yeah. tricky, isn't it? Because looking back at those, like you said, those goals, they just put them on the money every single time. And we had Lambert, Gooley was a big lad, Goyveld, mm. Fonte. So, yeah, I mean, loads and loads of goals. I think another thing is uh, is is the fact that he was left-footed as well. Like, Will Prowse, I mean, defenders get used to facing deliveries coming in from a right-footed just because there are more players that are right-footed. So I think that's kind of like an underappreciated thing from Fox, like those deliveries coming in, whether it was from a corner or from from set pieces, the quality was so high. And I think mm. for defenders, it's 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 a little bit more it's a little bit more difficult for them to defend when it's coming in from a left-footed player. But um, definitely, definitely, I thought it was also interesting him talking about Fonte then, because I mean. Saints Saints fans might have their opinion on Fonte with the way he left the club, but he was he was a top player for us, and I thought it was interesting how he said that. You know, he's never he's never going to be your best player, but he's he steps up, doesn't he, for the big games? Mm. Yeah, I can't. Let me just. I've got the quote here actually that he said. Um, he will never be the best, but he will always be great for the team, and I think that sums it up nicely for me. That's that's how I feel about Fonte. It's He'll never be a great player. He's, he's had a great career. But for, for me, at Saints, he was always the kind of... Apart from when he was playing with Jos, actually, but when we had Alderweireld, when we had Van Dijk, when we had Lovren, he was always kind of the 1B to the 1A. Um, he was yeah. always the junior partner in, the, in those teams. He's obviously gone on to have an incredible career, winning the Euros, playing Champions League level. Um, he's done very, very well for himself. Um, but I, I think you're right. Yeah, that was interesting what Jos said about him then yeah and I mean for me my personal opinion on Fonte is that I, I don't really have any bad blood towards him just because he, he left Palace when they were in the championship and joined us in League One obviously saw something you know the project that we were building down there and I think he brought us up and he was a massive player in League One he brought us up like he was never injured as well as he played every single week and uh, yeah and I think he like you said he's, he's not going to be the top defender in your team but he's a, he's a solid 7 out of 10 every week yeah I think that's right um, so moving on this weekend we would have been playing 
Watford um, at Vicarage Road. Obviously, for coronavirus reasons, we, we probably won't be playing football for several months yet. But I just wanted to talk about some of the games we've had against Watford recently because there's been some, there's been some big moments, haven't there? Yeah, I mean, just in the last few years, um, going back to 2017, we beat them 4-3 away at Vicarage Road, which was a massive, massive result there. I think Claude was a manager at the time and we were under a bit of pressure um, languishing in the, in the bottom half of the division. But Redmond scored two and Gabbiadini scored front of their way in, which was a massive result. And then the year after, I think, no Saints fan will, will forget uh, the Decore handball that robbed us of three points there. Travesty. Absolute travesty that was. Mm. So they yeah, were 2-0 up, I think. And uh, somehow they brought it back to 2 Well, we know how they brought it back to 2-2. Two, two. Um, and then, la- well, I was going to say last year. It feels like last season. But this season, actually, the 2-1 uh, at home. It was in that pivotal week when we played Norwich and Watford back-to-back at home. Beat them both 2-1. Um, so yeah we had some big it feels like whenever we play Watford there's always a little bit of bite about it in recent years because I feel like we've been in similar positions and rarely a dull game yeah I mean that 4-3 game was was sticks sticks in the memory that was just after the we'd lost the the EFL Cup final to United as well Mm. I think that was our next game Um, and that was just a massive 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 result Tadic scored a really nice goal in that game as well um, yeah, and it was Pete Gabbiadini then, wasn't it? I remember it was. Yeah, it was. I remember just going on Twitter at the time, and just like every single fan of every other club was going like, "Why have we not signed this lad?" Because he scored. Don't know his record, but he just came, came in and just got that brace against United and scored quite a few in the league. And uh, yeah, shame that it never, never really worked out for him at Saints. But um, I'll always have fond memories of of Gab. Yeah, that was that was as you said. That was Pete. Peak Manolo. I wonder how Manolo's doing with the coronavirus because he, he's think, got it, hasn't he? I think he? I saw something saying that he'd been cleared of it. But yeah, he was one of the one of the first fo- footballers to get it um, or, or at least for it to be made public. But yeah, but on the topic of coronavirus then, I think the last thing we wanted to touch on was the kind of latest news, which, which as of recording was Liverpool um, furloughing their or some of their non-playing staff. Um, and it kind of created quite a big debate uh, on Twitter, where else, um, about... Uh, well, I guess the debate started when Premier League players were urged to take a pay cut. Matt Hancock, the health secretary, kind of echoed those calls for players to take a pay cut. Um, and Spurs, before Liverpool actually, um, did the same with with furloughing their non-playing staff and people were saying, well, the players should take a pay cut. So these these members of staff aren't left out of pocket. Um, and the debate really was between, yes, the players should take a pay cut or more should be put on the onus of, of the clubs themselves and the owners of the clubs. And I don't know where you fall down on this, but from from my personal perspective, I think it's pretty it's pretty clear to me that it's cheap, easy point scoring for people just to say, oh, Harry Kane should take a pay cut to support the rest of the employees at Tottenham Hotspur. I think it's it would be a great initiative and it'd be a great idea if the players came together, which it sounds like they might be doing, to take a pay cut to support other members of the playing staff. But it just sticks in my throat a little bit that people say that that should have happened already without first looking at, okay, 
footballers are millionaires, but the owners are billionaires. Um, mm. And why did they get a free pass? Why does everybody look to professional footballers? There are plenty of rich people in 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 the UK, whether they're bankers or um, or footballers or hedge fund managers or or whatever, whether in the, in the media. Mm. Um, why is it only footballers that are being told that? They need to voluntarily take pay cuts when their bosses just sit there and um, allow the blame to be shifted. So um, I don't know what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, I mean, do you think, I mean, football is traditionally a working class game, isn't it? And a lot of the players that do make it big come from working class backgrounds. I'm not sure if that plays a part in some of it, but I completely agree. I think it's like a it's like an easy point scoring from these politicians. And I think they come out of these statements when they need to get their own, you know, things in order. Why don't we have a discussion about Cheltenham that went ahead that had 250,000 people going against, you know, advice at the time. So I think, as you said, they're calling for these players. Why, why, should, why should Matty Longstaff take a 30% pay cut when, you know, you've got all these bankers that are, you know, taking, taking their full salary and you've got... Well, I, I, I saw a good tweet from the Guardian chief sports writer, Jonathan Liu, and I think it summed it up quite well for me. And it was just the owners of the 20 Premier League clubs have a combined net worth of about £80 billion, of which the tiniest fraction they pay in, in tax. But yeah, let's go after Jeffrey Schlupp's wages, um, yeah. which, which I think it just sums up the point you made about Longstaff. It's just like there we've got owners sitting there like John Henry that's worth £2.6 billion and he's furloughed some of the Liverpool non-playing staff so the government is now paying 80% of their wages, allowing Liverpool just to pay 20%. So they're saving a decent amount of money there. But we've got a billionaire from the US taking advantage of a government scheme that really, really should be used by companies and lower league clubs that actually need, need it to survive. Mm. Not just clubs like Liverpool that are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of pounds, that feel like it's a good idea because on on paper it makes sense for their business to save a bit of cash it's just it just looks terrible mm. um from an optics point of view and Definitely. they're not the only ones obviously spurs did it first or, or or one of the one of the first clubs to have done it but i mean it's, i haven't seen anything from southampton yet i really hope we don't go down the same path because i think it is just it's just a terrible look i mean mm. Oh, God knows how much. And I think uh, our, Chinese, our Chinese owners worth. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a billionaire. I think that's the conversation that people need to be having, not necessarily looking straight at the players and being like, the players are salaried employees. Like the owners are the ones that are worth billions of pounds. The, the players are just. They take a salary every week. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of money, um, and it'd be great. Which it sounds like. I mean, the latest I saw, you might know different was players like Henderson and a few few Premier League captains were coming together to put to put a proposal forward on a pay cut. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I saw that in the news this week. It was Henderson apparently contacting the other captains around the Premier League to organise a um, fund that's going to raise money for the NHS. And I think what these kind of moves that Liverpool and Spurs, it's important to say there are other clubs as well, Spurs, Newcastle, I think Bournemouth have also done, is that it undoes this, this work done by these players. And... Um, hmm. As you said, the scheme is not set up for football clubs owned by billionaires to take advantage of. It's for the smaller businesses that really, really need the money. And it's a shame. I was just looking at Twitter, like the reaction from, from the fans of these clubs. And a lot of them are just disappointed because it's just, it, 
doesn't look good. And like you said, yeah. if it happened, if if Southampton did it, it's just you're disappointed because this is the club that you support. This is the club that you want to you want to be proud to support, and you want to put their shirt on and just be like, yes, I'm a Saints fan. And if it's if you see the club doing stuff like that outside of football, it's like it's like that's not what I believe in. It's not what I not the values. And I think everyone knows the right and wrong here. You shouldn't be doing that. And it's a shame when clubs do go down on that side. And I think it is just a a poor decision because I think the impact on on the club and on the brand really is probably worth more than saving a few million quid on on staff wages. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to say that they're um, it's a government scheme. They're it's well within their rights to to do Liverpool Spurs and the other clubs that have done it well within their rights to do it. It makes sense from a business perspective, but it just sticks in the throat a little bit when every week you kind of these these clubs talk about being community clubs and and family clubs and doing things for for the greater good of the area of Tottenham or the area of Liverpool and then they just turn around and make a decision that is so so obviously one that's just full of self-interest in saving a bit of cash um, and they don't need to do it and it and it harms the, the ability of other smaller businesses to access it um, it just it's just cheap and it just looks rubbish it is i'm just waiting for the day to see raheem sterling's face on the front of newspapers to to, to pin the blame <laughs> on him really it's only a matter of time isn't it it's true it's true yeah unfortunately that is the way these things seem to work um but yeah hopefully southampton don't follow don't follow that route um as far as next week's episode we'll be speaking to richard chaplow um so another teammate of steve derrida's and and your soyvelds um we'll probably make that a special episode actually because um, you've listened to the chat as well, Jack. It's an hour and it's an hour and a half, basically. Yeah, he, did, he didn't want to. He didn't want to stop talking, did he? No, he kept on going, uh, which was great. I mean, there were some great stories in there. Um, we kind of start from 2006 when he first joined the team on loan, um, all the way through to to what he's doing now, basically, which is living in America um, as the assistant coach for Orange County Soccer Club, which are a, a tier two team in the US. Um, but he's got brilliant stories um, about that league one team about the promotion team um, about how he found out he was signing for saints so there's lots of good bits in there darren ferguson listen out for darren ferguson his beef with darren ferguson which is which is really interesting and and a running theme throughout the podcast so um we will probably do that as as a full a full episode really we'll just we'll just kind of go straight into that that chat so that's what's on the cards for next week um thanks for joining us this week um and yeah, see you next week. Right, I'm off to get sacked by Oxford and Football Manager. See you later, <laughs>